1: Hi there again and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Firstly, my apologies, I haven't posted a podcast or two for a couple of weeks. I have been bogged down with a terrible cold and it really doesn't kind of do much for the audio experience if I'm sneezing and that sort of thing. So my apologies. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about The um, period in the late 1940s, early 1950s in China where Mao turns his attentions to the countryside and wages a war uh, against China's supposed landowner class. Now I say supposed because uh, we're going to look at um, Frank Dakota today who argues that really the idea of there being a landowner class in China is something of a myth, and something particularly of a myth propagated by uh, the Communist Party. But first, um, if we're looking in his book, uh, The Tragedy of Liberation, if we go back to 1921, we see Mao's first experience of uh, peasant violence, um, of revolutionary peasant violence, towards the landowners. Uh, And it was, as a result, interestingly, of um, Soviet intervention. So, uh, Frank Dakota writes, For years Mao Zedong groped to find his way as a young man, first as a scholar, then as a publisher, and finally as a labour activist. In the countryside, five years after he joined the Chinese Communist Party in 1921, he finally discovered his calling. Still a young man of 33, tall, lean and handsome, He was enthralled by the peasant violence that had erupted in the countryside after the Nationalists had launched a military campaign from their base in Guangzhou to seize power from the local warlords and unify the country. Russian advisers accompanied the Nationalist army, as Chiang Kai-shek at this stage was still collaborating closely with Stalin. In Mao's home province of Hunan, the Nationalist authorities followed Russian instructions in funding peasant associations and fomenting a Soviet-style revolution. Social order broke down. In Changsha, the provincial capital, victims were paraded in tall, conical hats of mockery. Children scampered down the streets, singing, down with the imperialist powers and eliminate the warlords. Workers armed with bamboo sticks picketed the offices of foreign companies. Public utilities were wrecked. So, The uh, ideas that were beginning to change uh, the Soviet countryside during and after the Russian Civil War had begun to uh, be imported uh, into China. Um, During the the Stalinist period, one of the key tools that was uh, available uh, was the creation of poor peasants committees in uh, in villages. Um, This meant that essentially... Um, The peasants with the deepest resentments, the peasants who had uh, the least invested um, in um, ownership in in, in the village, and the peasants who uh, often had been um, the most marginalised, were suddenly put into power and actively encouraged to abuse that power, um, actively encouraged to behave with as much uh, kind of uh, vindictiveness uh, and violence towards uh, their supposed social betters uh, as possible. Uh, And of course, peasant villages normally operated through a complex web of social relations, of poorer peasants would often be helped by wealthier peasants, sometimes exploited by them, Uh, sometimes there would be um, a relationship of work and pay, sometimes not, Um, there were, in essence, good and bad wealthy peasants. However, the way in which um, the Soviets in Russia uh, came to reshape village life was to give um, huge amounts of uh, persecutory power to the poorest peasants. Um, And this idea is imported into China, and um, there is chaos as a result. And the, um, uh, the Soviets, um, the Bolsheviks in Russia, um, were looking specifically to create that one thing, chaos. Uh, and so was Mao. Frank Dakota goes on to say, In the countryside, the poorest of the villagers took control of the peasant associations and turned the world upside down. They were now the masters, choosing their targets at random striking down the wealthy and the powerful, creating a reign of terror. Some of the victims were knifed, a few decapitated. Chinese pastors were paraded through the streets as running dogs of imperialism, their hands bound behind their backs and ropes around their neck. Churches were looted. Mao admired the audacity and violence of the rebels. He was attracted by the slogans they coined, Anyone who has land is a tyrant, and all gentry are bad. He went into the countryside to investigate the uprisings. They strike the gentry to the ground, Mao wrote in his report on the peasant movement. People swarm into the houses of local tyrants and evil gentry who are against the peasant association, slaughter their pigs and consume their grain. They even loll for a minute or two in their ivory inlaid beds belonging to the young ladies in the households of the local tyrants and the evil gentry. At the slightest provocation, they make arrests, crown the arrested with tall paper hats, and parade them through the villages. So, it's interesting that a lot of what you see there, the ritual humiliation, the um, blanket association of uh, wickedness or evil with an entire social class, there are, um, these are some of the kind of like the, the building block ideas for the student violence from 1966 onwards during the Cultural Revolution. So obviously these had been uh, kind of reformative concepts for Mao. But Mao believed that it would be impossible for the Communists to seize power unless a social revolution happened in the countryside. So um, two two decades later, even before the Civil War had ended, as the uh, Nationalists and Communists had peace talks, Uh, during 1946, Mao issued a directive which showed a kind of a fundamental change of tack for the Communist Party. Up until that point, there had just been a fairly mild policy of rent reduction um, because social warfare couldn't happen in the countryside while the focus was on defeating uh, Japan. Um, When the uh, directive was uh, issued in May 1946, It called out for all-out class struggle in the countryside. All the land, Mao said, should now be confiscated from traitors, tyrants, bandits and landlords and distributed to the poor peasants. The revolutionary potential of the countryside was to be unleashed and sweeping away a kind of a, uh, a decaying class system. So Mao was making what they would call in election terms a big retail offer to the peasants. If you back the communists, you will get the land. Um, And there will be a uh, kind of a a no-holds-barred, violent, bloody struggle in order to ensure that. So from 1946 onwards, the um, seizure of land, uh, the violent seizure of land, uh, and the abolition of supposed feudal rights to land began in areas that were uh, militarily controlled by the communists. Uh, these were followed by public trials, where landlords were made to confess to their sins, um, which were normally followed by uh, mob beatings. The the mob beatings uh, um, and the, the anger of the, the local peasantry is a really kind of complex bit of psychology. Firstly, there were many people in the crowds who were being uh, encouraged to behave like this. Some had genuine grievances against the landlords, but these grievances had never previously... Uh, erupted before. There were those within the crowds who felt that they had to respond in the way that was being heavily hinted at by the communists, that they really were kind of expected to bring about this sort of um, uh, outbursts of of, of anger and rage, and um, they were sort of uh, really being a, a, a obedient in a way that this was the, the the new way to kind of express your approval of, of, of the regime. However, in certain, in large parts of Mao's controlled China, there were peasants that didn't really know very much about communism, who did not really understand um, about Mao's ideas, and perhaps didn't hadn't really heard very much uh, uh, about Mao. And generally had rather socially conservative attitudes and looked upon Chiang Kai-shek and the Kuomintang government as being uh, the natural um, and conservative um, le- legitimate leadership uh, of the country. Um, the idea that uh, the uh, a peasant village should be engulfed in some kind of chaotic struggle um, over land titles and rights and rents was an anathema to most. Um, There were a great many who um, saw this as being at odds with um, essentially uh, traditionally established Chinese values. And it was often outsiders, miscreants, thugs, criminal types um, who understood the potential for their own enrichment that the communists were offering work teams from the communist party descended on villages uh, in order to try to transform them and in order to transform them you had to classify them into different groups frank Dakota writes one of the first tasks of the work team was to divide villages into five classes closely mirroring what had been done in the soviet union landlords rich peasants middle peasants poor peasants and labourers this took place in endless meetings in the village as the work teams poured over the life stories of each and every villager with information gathered from newly recruited activists. The challenge was that none of these artificial class distinctions actually corresponded to the social landscape of the village, where most farmers often lived in roughly similar conditions. The uh, communists tried to impose a model of class on villagers that didn't quite apply. It really wasn't, wasn't quite uh, as hierarchical um, as um, Marxist-Leninist-Maoist theory would, would dictate. The task then was to, in, as Frank Dakota writes, um, to get poor peasants and labourers um, to accept this identification. Uh, those who were labelled as poor peasants and labourers, anyway, to accept this identification and to turn the hardship of their lives into hatred. This took weeks of persistence and persuasion, says Frank Dakota, as the work team had to convince the poor that the rich were behind their every misfortune, having exploited their labour since time immemorial. In so-called speak-bitterness meetings, participants were encouraged to tap into a reservoir of grievances. Some vented genuine frustrations that had long been bottled up. Others were coerced into inventing accusations against their richer neighbours. Greed became a powerful tool in whipping up class hatred, as members of the work team calculated the monetary equivalent of past deeds, misdeeds, urging the poorer villagers to demand compensation. And of course this was a way of quickly bankrupting part of the village
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people
1: today. Um, This indoctrination obviously creates true believers who did not uh, eventually need any kind of uh, prompting or hints um, from anyone else in order to transform them into the kind of zealots who will hurt, kill, uh, and humiliate. Um, And it also helped to break down the bonds within families within the village and between families uh, within the village. And the same kind of utopian ideas, the idea that the destruction was going to lead to the building of a better tomorrow, the building of a, a fair and just society, um, based on uh, equality, um, and the, it was the um, the poorest and the oppressed that had the greatest role in creating that. This is a powerful and attractive uh, set of ideas that will bring about uh, the required levels of, of violence and persecution. And much of this offered an attractive diversion from the Mundane world or of uh, Chinese rural life, um, there was uh, greed involved in um, a lot of this. Um, there were um, there was looting, um, and the uh, those who were denounced often had their their homes ransacked. So the there was an, an active incentive to pick on the wealthiest uh, in the village. After months of patient work, writes Frank Dakota, the communists managed to turn the poor against the village leaders. A, cl- a once closely knit community was polarised into two extremes. The communists armed the poor, sometimes with guns, more often with pikes, sticks and hoes. When uh, referring to a small village called Yuanbo, Frank Dakota um, explains that the victims' um, within the village, were denounced as landlords and tyrants uh, and traitors and held in the cow sheds of the village. The, an armed militia, um, supplied by um, the, the Communist Party, then sealed off the village. The militia seals off the village, but it allows the peasants to do the dirty work. Everyone there had to wear a strip of cloth identifying their class background. The landlords had a white strip, the rich peasants a pink one, and the middle peasants wore yellow. The, proud, um, the poor proudly displayed red. So class enemies were then dragged onto a stage where they were denounced by the crowd, which was assembled in hundreds, screaming for blood, um, and uh, demanding that accounts be settled in an atmosphere charged with hatred. Victims were mercilessly denounced, mocked, humiliated, beaten, and killed in these struggle sessions. Um, the violence that engulfed the village um, at that point, once the killings began, um, uh, was uh, almost something that was kind of out of control as people uh, began to live in fear of reprisals um, from militias led by uh, the former village leaders who'd managed to escape. Some of the victims were uh, beaten to death and some were shot, but um, in many cases they were tortured. To make them reveal the uh, location of their assets. It was generally assumed that the landowners would be, or those who had claimed, called landowners, would be hoarding uh, gold or valuables somewhere, but this was often not the, the case. So there were significant numbers of villagers who were willing to get their hands dirty in this violence. So what emerges is a kind of a compact between the party uh, and the poor. The lands and assets of the victims were distributed to the crowd um, and the land was uh, distributed, parceled up and distributed out to the poor and the name of the beneficiary would be carved into a wooden signboard and marked by the side of each plot thus kind of Uh, making the the, the transition uh, official. Um, Furniture was stolen. Pigs and other livestock herded away. Basket loads of grain and rice stolen. Pots and jars, um, uh, beds, um, other useful odds and ends from within the house uh, were looted. And villages for years um, harboured Ugly secrets about what the entire population had done, uh, even though some of those um, were willing to accept that the victims were not bad human beings or were not um, kind of as damnable as, as they had been painted. Um, often the uh, things that were looted um, were not or particularly the livestock, weren't looked after in quite the way that the uh, original owners had. And so it became fundamentally um, counterproductive even from an economic point of view as, as much of the livestock um, died within a couple of years or was simply slaughtered and eaten um, for the enjoyment of its new owner. So when the village had been um, altered, transformed by the party, uh, the victims had been uh, exiled, imprisoned, executed, or reduced to um, the level of uh, essentially begging, uh, poor peasants would sometimes then migrate to other villages to see if they could participate in similar kinds of struggle sessions um, in order to, bring, uh, in order to um, get the same kind of, of result. Sometimes they would go to the nearest large town, or perhaps even a small city, um, and find um, area, uh, find uh, what they viewed as being rich pickings. Um, So chaos begins to ripple throughout the countryside, and essentially, poor peasants uh, or people who had been designated as poor peasants have been given this this new um, kind of uh, identity. Um, took with it uh, a new set of beliefs and rights about themselves and about how they were allowed to or expected to uh, behave. And it was important to them to make sure that supporters of the new regime now did not come back because if the country reverted away from communism back to the nationalists, They would be in a whole lot of trouble, and they would be the first people to be held to account for their behaviour. So they were made to be complicit uh, in their crimes. Now, the Dakota thesis on the the peasantry um, essentially says that, basically, China. uh, One of the things about China is that uh, the land is so vast and so diverse that there's almost no kind of track record, sort of comprehensive log, as to uh, who owns it all, um, and um, villagers tended to jealously protect the knowledge of um, their, their, the location of their land, and, and indeed land, land ownership, because they were... China has perhaps the longest history of, of taxation uh, anywhere in the world, and um, the land tax was normally a very rough approximation Um, which had been established decades, perhaps even centuries earlier. Um, Outsiders were always kind of viewed with um, suspicion, and villagers always had an incentive to keep land hidden from view, um, just to kind of avoid those tax liabilities. Um, And large plots of land were often left unregistered, nobody knew uh, who owned them, it was referred to as black land. Um, in sort of uh, popular terms um, so the result of land reform would be um, to, re- to to try to distribute um, land and redistribute it but it would also be to um, cause um, chaos, could cause villagers to fight one another but it was based on essentially a fraudulent idea the idea that landowners as a concept existed and the idea of the landowner is specifically invented by the communists as a more of a kind of linguistic trope than anything else the um, uh, diversity of village life um, was uh, across this huge, huge um, essentially subcontinent uh, of of China um, was incredibly diverse so it, it. farming in the north was very different to um, farming in the kind of the along the, the river valleys uh, along the southern the, 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 the uh, southern coasts um, and in most of these um, areas the um, uh, there was no conception of there being uh, a landlord throughout all throughout the, the different kind of Um, ethnic, social, and cultural patchwork of China. Not one of these regions has the concept of uh, the landlord. The term itself was imported from Japan in the late 19th century, uh, where uh, it was applicable in Japan, Uh, and it was given its modern formulation by Mao Zedong. It had no meaning for most people in the countryside, And the the evidence of this alone is that um, the party had to come into villages and allot people the title of landlord to turn them into landlords. So by logic logic alone, it would suggest that the landlords had not previously existed. It's not to say that there weren't some hierarchies in villages. Um, It's not to say that there weren't um, ways of kind of feudally ordering villages. No doubt there were. But it does suggest that villages were a lot less hierarchical and a lot more pluralistic uh, than Mao suggests. And so the uh, creation uh, or the irony of a, a communist party finding a relatively egalitarian place and having to order it into an imagined feudal hierarchy in order to knock that hierarchy down and convince the people at the bottom, who weren't previously aware necessarily that they were particularly at the bottom, um, that they had um, an axe to grind with the um, people who were at the top. Again, imagined. It's a rather monstrous fiction. So there we'll leave it for today. Um, Thanks very much for listening. Um, Do remember, December the 12th, if you want to avoid another bout of feudalism in this country... Go out, vote, vote for somebody progressive, and most of all, vote to protect the National Health Service, because you'll miss it when it's gone. Anyway, thanks very much, all the best, bye-bye.